west side of Atlanta, uh, right across from Octane on Marietta. Right around the corner, yeah. Um, across the street, there's a Bacado, and behind that, there's the humble, but actually not so humble, headquarters of Gather. Not humble compared to where we came from. That's right. That's yeah. right. So they just moved into a new office. When did you guys move in? Uh, last Monday. So uh, they're about a weekend, just got painted, uh, but they have a cool little office here. How many, how many square feet is this? This you know? is, I think, with the conference rooms, it's 2,500 square feet. So a pretty cool little office with a big open area and kind of a wider area. But anyway, I'm here. I didn't even int introduce who I'm here with. I'm here with the CEO and co-founder of Gather, uh, which is a company that um, you know I know pretty well in multiple ways. So I'm excited to sit down and talk, Nick Miller. So um, <clears throat> I want to hear all about kind of the story, and I iced you before this conversation totally. by not asking you how things are going. Ten minutes of silence before this conversation. <laughs> But um, I, I definitely want to hear about kind of your backstory. But before that, can you just describe Gather? Because you're going to do a better job than, than I would. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Gather is a event sales and management software uh, or web application. So it's used by a little under a thousand restaurants and venues across the U.S. to manage their entire private events program. So... Um, I think, you know, the average person probably wouldn't realize this, but for a full service restaurant, anywhere from 10 to 40% of their revenue comes from private events. And that's managed through a totally separate process in most cases than your average like two, four, six top that comes through open table. There's usually an event coordinator or a salesperson on staff and they're tasked with answering inbound inquiries. Like, so if you went to the Optimist's website and inquired about an event, there's somebody on their team on the other side answering that inquiry. And then um, the best of them also do some active sales as well, so calling on usually corporations. So they use Gather to manage everything. It's essentially their CRM, and then on top of that, there's a lot of great tools and features just for that private events workflow. And I know you guys don't love this description, but would you describe this to someone who you don't have much time too is as roughly because this is how I describe it so this could be way off is kind of open table for like private dining rooms yeah I think that's so that's a, eventually where we want to go like so we want to simplify event planning on both sides of the table so like if you or I are looking to plan an event helping us find a great venue that matches you know the search criteria we need right I need 50 people in a private room on the west side and my budget is five grand, something yep. like that. Yeah. Um, but right now we focus on the restaurant or venue side, yep. really helping them simplify their process. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, um, I mean, there's many reasons why I, I kind of, you know, like Nick, but one of, one of the reasons why I really like gather as a company is, um, is brand and kind of, um, is a big part, I think of like what you guys do. And so even though right now, you guys are very restaurant facing. I think you're you're probably already seeing with a lot of like the content marketing stuff you're doing, like the value of kind of brand and all that. But what are what are some of your? Uh, it seems like you're even leaning into some of that stuff more. But what what kind of impact or upswing is like brand having on on selling? I mean, so for us, um, I think we recognize pretty early on that. There's no, there aren't a lot of companies in this space, so like re restaurant technology um, or hospitality technology, that put a lot of emphasis on brand and design. And so we felt like that was one place that we could easily outperform. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we really focus on making uh, an application that's simple, modern, easy to use, um, 
kind of like looks easy as well. So like when we demo the product for folks, generally what we see is um, people coming away with the impression that, oh, wow, this is so much easier to use than whatever I'm using now, or, oh, this looks so simple. I love the way it looks. It looks friendly. Um, and that actually matters a ton. Like we win deals on yeah. that. So yeah, yeah it's had a, a big impact on the business. Yeah. Could you just quickly, because I think it's very relevant to your guys' story, can you talk about at a high level, like your growth? Like, um, I mean, you talked about how many kind of restaurants you're working with, but just where were you, like, where, where did you kind of come from? And when, when did you actually start this idea and just that growth of, of Gather? So we started working on, we started exploring the concept of Gather in 2013. And we'll, I want to get into the previous, the, before that yeah. later, but, but keep going with that. Yeah. So um, we started exploring that concept in 2013. I think we had the first client actually using like a very early version of Gather in, I want to say like May or June of 2013. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, with, with this kind of piece of software, there's a lot of scaffolding you have to build um, from the get-go. So the rest of 2013 was just about getting to kind of like a minimum viable feature set to where it was really usable for like your average restaurant or restaurant group or event venue. Um, and then, you know, this time last year, uh, I think we had a little over 200 locations using the software and now we're just under a thousand. So it's been a lot of growth in the past yep. year. Yep. And the team, how about the team growth? Um, so, <laughs> uh, January of 2014, we were working out of like a 200 square foot office or closet. Um, yep. at the Biltmore, that one? at the Biltmore. Yeah. Um, and we had four people. And so now we've got 14. Wait, that was January 14. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got, um, 14 folks who are full time and then we've got, um, three awesome interns as well. How does that make you feel like just in general, like I know you're, you're in like the trenches right now, but that's, that's pretty amazing that like literally it was three founders and one employee a year and a half ago. Yeah. And now you have, you know, 14 employees. Uh, I mean, just do you, do you stop? How often do you stop and feel about that stuff? I think like Alex, Tom and I have to force ourselves to kind of yeah. like stop for yeah. a second yeah. and think about that. It's pretty cool, but it's, yeah. I don't know, you know, like you always, so you always, I can better. imagine things that are cooler than that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. Yeah. Um, well, but in, and like, you know, the better you do, the farther you move, the bar just mm -hmm. keeps moving out. Yeah. So you always got your eye on the yeah. next goal or next milestone. So at one point in time, it was just like a stable paycheck or something or like being <laughs> I don't, able to eat that night. I don't, I don't know if it was ever a stable paycheck, but, um, yeah, I mean, at one point in time it was, uh, let's sign. <laughs> Do you do do you do cameos? Do you do guest appearances? Um, I I haven't, but I think uh, I do. Like, <laughs> I, I do like the the pumped in the middle of the. Um, no, I mean at one point in time, like for you know we can talk about this more, but for over a year it was just like let's find something scalable, and so that was a totally different problem mm -hmm. than what we're doing now, yeah. which is like how do we scale this business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Let's find something scalable, and how do we scale? They're they're the they're it's like a nuance of, of the same question, but one is like you haven't figured it out, and the other one's like you know you figured it out, but there's still challenges. It's interesting. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like they're also totally different skill sets, mm -hmm. and I think like 
if you if you asked Alex and Tom as well, I think all of us would say that we're better suited to where we are now. Yeah. Which is like let's we, we have an idea, like we have you know, our first ten paying customers, like how do we, you know, build a team You mean that? you guys are better suited for this phase than you were the phase of like yeah. figuring it out? Then they'll like let's churn through a couple ideas and yeah, see yeah. what works. Yeah. yeah. So Alex, the other two founders of Gather, give them a I'll give them a shout out. So Alex Lasseter, you got, and then Tom Merrihue was the other. But you guys had like the perfect balance of a three person founding team. Yeah. Um, I guess you kind of being on like the business product, you know, marketing side. Maybe yeah. Alex being on the sales side, which is a key part of the business, and then Tom being a developer. Right. So that was like a good. That was like the perfect division. You couldn't have had like a better division of talent. It still doesn't make it easy, but no, I like you're right. It was, uh, I think that's you know the main reason we're here. Yeah, is because it was a good yeah. balance across the team. That's interesting. Real quick, just to stay on that topic, I think it's interesting that you say you guys are better for this phase than than like the previous phase. Because there's certainly a lot of people that are better at that phase. I mean, there's people that are really good at any phase. But what what weren't you good about, or what don't you think you were good at in the previous phase? Um, I just, so I guess one of the things we weren't good about is understanding what we should and shouldn't do when we were trying certain things. So I think early on we spent way too much time building products that actually functioned and like waiting to test them. Um, so like Frequenter, which was our first idea, I think we spent like six months actually just like building a product. Um, and then it took us a month from there to disqualify that as like an idea that we could run with. Right. Um, so that was one major problem. And then I think like our personalities were just, we're all kind of front runners, Mm -hmm. like, and you're kind of, you're an underdog when you're looking for the right idea. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of us got pretty frustrated with that process. Mm -hmm. I mean, frustration helps, like it helps you, like it pushes you to come up with new ideas, but, um, I wouldn't say it was like super fun mm-hmm. <laughs> at least for me i yeah, guess yeah. for myself yeah 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 I, although there's there's uh different stresses than like, like you know, now you have 14 employees and that kind yeah of, there's no, no stress but it's true but yes I, I agree i mean some people find that face fun and some, in some ways it is fun looking back on it but but not necessarily when you're in it um all right so let's um i think now that we've kind of discussed gather at a high level i'd love to hear about um your backstory. So one question I always like to ask people is, do you consider yourself, like, are you a born entrepreneur? Have you always been entrepreneurial or, or, or is this like an acquired thing for you? I am not a born entrepreneur. Um, and I don't like, I think if you'd asked me in college, if I would ever be doing this, I would have said no way. Um, so what, what tips for you then? So, uh, so after college, I went to work at, um, being a company, a consulting firm. And, uh, like, so I, I majored in philosophy in college. Like I thought I was going to go into academics at the last minute. I was like, I don't want to eat ramen noodles for seven years <laughs> and make like 15 grand a year in, in grants. Um, you ended up doing that though with the startup. For yeah, that's years. right. <laughs> yeah. It all came full circle. Um, so I went to Bain and they let you do something really cool, which is, uh, an externship. So it's like four to six months. You leave Bain, you go work for somebody else. So like, most people go work for like a, a big client of theirs, like a Fortune 500 company. Um, but I somehow got in touch with a guy who was starting a company in New York City that was essentially Groupon geared towards the Hispanic market. 
Um, and this is like peak Groupon, yeah. Living Social, Scout Mom. <laughs> um, and I so I got you throwing us in there. What did you say? I appreciate you throwing us in there. Top three. Top three. And anyway, so I got there the first day the company started. The day I left, it was sold to Tipper, which mm. is another yeah. company in that space. And I got to see that whole life cycle. Obviously, it was a small team, so I got to do a lot of different things. What were you doing? Um, I was doing mainly marketing, but I was also doing a lot of product stuff. And um, honestly, I was just doing like whatever mm-hmm. the CEO asked me to do. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked it. I mm-hmm. thought it was great. And I also thought, um, so I found out I really liked the space. Like I loved, I've always really enjoyed like finding new restaurants mm-hmm. and trying them. And um, I think like, you know, better than I do, but mm-hmm. restaurants were like the core of like Groupon, Living mm-hmm. Social, Scout Mob, which yeah, you guys yeah. did. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And then I also found that um, I felt like it was something that I could do, like mm-hmm. starting a company. And it seemed fun. Um, so when I got back, I just started kind of kicking around ideas. Mm-hmm. And eventually uh, Alex was the main guy I was kicking around ideas with. We would have uh, hot dogs and beer at the local like <laughs> every week. And we just like spitball different things. And so he was working with you at Bain, right? Yep. And so you guys just bonded over like, hey, man, we should start something. Like, was it more like we should just start something? Let's go find what we're going to start. Or was it, had you guys had kind of like, what, how'd you even start talking stuff with him? Um, so I had an idea for Frequenter at the time that I was, I was at the time I was building it like I had contracted a developer to help me build like a very simple MVP mm-hmm. um, and so I think I'd send an email out or something asking people for feedback and mm-hmm. he was probably on that list mm-hmm. so the next time I saw him we got talking about it oh hey like let's go chat about ideas um, and then it I guess it became fairly clear that we were both interested in like trying something mm-hmm. trying this um, and you know, it was, it was actually a pretty rational decision. It was like, you know, we're both 23, 24, like when else are we going to have an opportunity in life to do this mm-hmm. with kind of like a risk-free approach to it? Mm-hmm. Like worst case scenario, we can just go back to business school mm-hmm. and do something else. Um, so after, you know, weeks of like meeting and just talking about different ideas, we decided let's just try it. Like, I don't think either of us were convinced that Frequenter was necessarily the right idea. But we were definitely convinced that, like, we weren't going to find out unless we left Bain. But how long were you, were, were you like, considering this? I think we were, like, he and I were probably talking for... So I had started working on Frequenter when I got back in July. And then he and I were probably talking, like, October through December. Okay. And then decided to, to put in our notice. So you just... It wasn't a decision of, ah, let's do it on the side. It was, like, we let's go all in. Yeah, which I think, in hindsight... Um, I probably would have stayed a little bit longer and, and like tried to get some traction on the side, but it's tough. Oh, I mean, at that point, like we were so excited. We were, you know, let's go do this. Like yeah. there was no way you're going to talk us out. Yeah. Of but you, what I'm saying is, is like, it would have taken you so much longer to like push the, those ideas to the path where you said it's not a good idea. Like how much longer would it have taken to find out that frequenter didn't work? I think, I think if we had done things the right way and done a lot more like, you know, quote unquote customer discovery yeah. before ever building anything, I think we could have done it. But the problem that is that but we weren't doing things that way. So. And, and, and I don't think any 
definitely no first time entrepreneur like correctly does like customer right, discovery right. and all that. And I'd argue like even fifth time entrepreneurs like aren't sometimes great at like sometimes you just have to build it. I know it goes against you know customer discovery and product market fit and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes like not necessarily build it, but sometimes you have to do it. And then you learn like ah this doesn't kind of work. Yeah, you know? um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So so you just leave cold in January. Uh huh. So now you and him, him being kind of the, I mean he wasn't a sales guy then, but like you guys are both non developers, non designers. You're kind of just like general business guys. Yeah. Really, and, really smart idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like, and then you just have frequenter as the idea. And so like, what do you what do you what do you do the first day? Um. So we were working out of my living room and I think the first day, so I think like coming into it, we had this notion that we were going to go out and raise a bunch of money and that would like kind of solve all our problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I it's think laughable, isn't it? Like, yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous looking back on it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, um, so we ran with that for a while. And then I think we discovered, oh, this is like that. This is not going to work. Yeah. Like that's not the way these things work. So then we were like, let's get some traction on this. And um, at the time, I think I had already had, or we we already had um, a developer who was actually working at a uh, another startup, um, which I won't name, up in Buckhead. And so nights and weekends, he would help us build out like iterations of the product. And so we did that for a while. So a lot of what we were doing was I was managing the product and managing that process. And then Alex was primarily going out there and pitching restaurants. And then I tag along with him sometimes. Um, and so I guess the good part of that was we were probably doing things the right way. We were getting a lot of feedback, but it was taking a long time to make iterations to the product yep. because the guy we were depending on was working like mm -hmm. an hour a night, mm -hmm. you know, three or four hours on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so I think mid year, maybe like April, May, we decided like we need to find someone who can do this full time with us yep. who actually has technical ability. Right. And that's when we went out and looked for someone can, like Tom. Can you like quickly describe what frequenter was? <laughs> just so, just <laughs> which, to give it which version there's like 20 different versions. Um, so where it started was a, uh, I guess kind of a social network for, you to connect with your friends who can make recommendations about um, where to eat, where to go out and like kind of, I guess, drink like mm -hmm. bars in town and where to stay in new locations mm -hmm. you go. So this is something that happens organically, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to Denver, I'm going to reach out to my three friends who live there. I don't even, I don't even remember that. Yeah, this is like so. way back. Yeah. Um, and then what it morphed into was um, let's get, so the second iteration was, kind of a mobile questionnaire that businesses could ask their patrons to complete after their experience there. Yep. And then what it ended up as was real-time communication between business owners um, or business employees yep. and their their customers. Yep. So like, hey, when do you guys open? Hey, you know, I, I wish this was on the menu. Mm -hmm. um, hey, can you tell me how to get there? I'm around the corner at Bocato, mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I cut you off when you were in kind of May, June, July, or whatever, and you're like, we, we need like a developer in-house to push the product faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, uh, we, so when, when we realized that, we showed up at the Ruby meetup 
in Atlanta <laughs> and just made like complete asses of ourselves. Like, um, we joke about it now. Like that's like one of the moments where we were like, Oh my God, I can't believe we did that. But <laughs> we went in and like Alex and I split up and we each went to a table and it was like, Hey, like you guys, you guys like good with Ruby. Cool. <laughs> that's great. Um, so that bombed. And then, uh, so we were like, let's try to find somebody who's in our networks. And so Alex actually, I think he just, he went on LinkedIn and he typed in like Mongo or like, like Ruby or something like that. Um, and Tom's profile came up and they were in the same fraternity in college. They didn't overlap, but they, they had met each other. Yeah. And, um, he didn't realize that Tom was like. Tom self-taught, so like he left college, he went to a lobbying firm, and then he taught himself how to how to develop. So he didn't realize that. So they got on the phone. Um, you know, Tom's situation in D.C. was such that he was like into taking this kind of risk. Um, so we flew him down for a weekend, and we all hung out. Like um, my my girlfriend now, fiance Laura, and um, Alex's wife. Um, and it's like a recruiting trip. Yeah. And he brought his girlfriend, now wife, um, Kate. And so the six of us just like hung out and got to know one another. We took him by our, our law firm <laughs> to like, we, we were like, yeah, we got to impress Tom. So we rented a boardroom there and we like took him oh, by at, at, Bain? at Nelson Mullins. Oh, oh, yeah. law firm. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, at the end of the weekend, we were Wait, like, real okay. quick, what were you offering him? Were you offering him like to be a founder? Yeah, we were like, hey, the pitch was, um, you know, we're two, you know, smart guys. Like, you're probably not going to find two smart guys who are just looking for someone with your your background, literally. Um, so, yeah, do you want to join us? Even everyone's looking for a developer. <laughs> That's right. That's but right. he didn't know that at the time. Yeah. I like yeah. tricked him. Well, I like to keep it that way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so we were like, you know, we're going to find something that works. Um, I think we were honest with him yeah. and we were like, Hey, what we have right now probably isn't the right answer, but we need someone to help yeah, us yeah. find the right answer. And so, you know, he's a UNC guy. Alex and I both went to UNC. So there was that connection. There was the fraternity connection mm -hmm. with him and Alex. Um, and then we all got along. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think he left and then we talked on the phone a bit that week and he decided to move down with his now wife, Kate. Wow. to join us. How was it when he first started? Um, because now he's like joining your idea, but like obviously you had to kind of woo him in. And all I think that was fine. Um, he actually like, so... Wait, that was, was this 12 or 13? This is 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think like one of the hardest parts early on was we're all like the three of us, all of us are pretty good at, at like most things. Um, so it was just figuring out like what each of us is like really good at, mm -hmm. like where we're going to excel. Like Tom is really good business sense. Like even though, all, you know, what he focuses on now is product and then developing new mm -hmm. features. He has really great business sense. Like if you, if we sat in it, like we do monthly leadership meetings and he has a lot of great things to say mm -hmm. in all those meetings. But, um, obviously like given his skill set, way more valuable for him to be working on the product. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so the same is true for like me and Alex, we mm -hmm. do different things better. So, um, I think one of the, one of the toughest parts early on in like a really small team where you don't really have a product and you're trying to figure things out is like just that division of labor. Mm -hmm. It's like, who's going to do what, um, and like 
why are we dividing things that way? Mm-hmm. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's just now, so that's now kind of call it fall of, of 12, right? Mm-hmm. Let, so what was kind of the path from then to, to kind of here? Um, so <laughs> realized frequenter wasn't going to happen. Or we weren't going to make free winter happen. Real quick, I got to chime in. The reason why I think this is valuable to spend a bunch of time on is because I actually think this is like the meat of where every startup in the world goes through that period of time of yeah. like lots of bad ideas, lots of iterations, lots of ideas that you thought were good ideas that don't actually work in the market to now getting to like where you guys are at now. So I, I think it's like the, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk amongst many, among many reasons was this, because I think like that two year struggle was was like some people don't get through it, some people never see it through, some people run out of money, some people have to get jobs, but you guys kinda were smart guys that stuck it out and on the second, third, fourth, whatever the number idea was, it, it like it stuck, you know. And yeah. you had and hadn't you probably not gone through that two years, there's no way you get to this point, you know. So anyway. Well and and just to just to comment on that, like I think I think everything we learned in like like I said, like it wasn't like super fun like going through that process of like idea after or idea of like basically failing but I think everything we learned at each of those kind of product points um, mm-hmm. actually helps us where we are now yep um, okay so so frequenter we decided like this isn't going to work um, we tried something else called um, table now which was um, an application that would allow you to literally, like the name says, book a table at a restaurant that's kind of a curated set of mm-hmm. places we recommend. Like Hotel right Tonight now. kind of. Yeah, yeah, like Hotel Tonight. So like you're coming down the elevator, it's 5.30, it's Friday, um, you want to take your girlfriend mm-hmm. or wife out, um, need, a, need a reservation, you know, obviously at that point probably can't find anything on Open Table. Mm-hmm. Um, we would help you like secure that yeah. reservation. Um, the problem there was that we had no data on inventory. And so like, uh, this is another one of these things we look back on now and we think is really ridiculous, but, um, to test this out, we had a mobile app that, um, Tom, like is really impressive. He threw it together in like two weeks. So that would serve you all the results, right? So if you were testing it out, you'd see all the restaurants that had availability. Yep. But what you would do is you'd log on and then you'd say, I have a party of four, I want to be on the west side and I'm in the mood for these like different types of cuisine and you press submit and then um, we were testing this on Friday night and Sunday morning. We would be in the office. Tom would get that request. He would uh, slack it to us basically and (laughs) Alex and I would pick up the phone and literally call these places and be like, hey, do you have a party of two? Can you fit a party of four? Can you fit a party of six? And then we'd serve back three results through Tom. Like he would manually serve those back to you. Um, <laughs> after like a few minutes. Yeah. After, well, we tried to do it in like 30 seconds, which I think we were pretty good about. But um, anyways, very quickly we were like, this is not going to work. And we exhausted, we looked for like different ways to kind of tap into that inventory data. And there's just no way if you can't tap into open tables. API. Right. Right. So um, that's a great story, by the way. Um, that was, <laughs> that was, that was actually fun, but, yeah. um, we only did that like two weekends before we were like, this is absurd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from there we started doing something called supper series, 
so we had these relationships at that point with some awesome restaurants in town. And um, I forget exactly how we came up with the idea, but the idea behind Supper Series was, um, I think we knew about Alinea and Next, these two restaurants in Chicago. All they do is ticketing. Right. So they actually, they'll have like, you know, 9 p.m. on this Thursday evening. We're going to release tickets for three months out and they sell out in like 10 minutes. And so they treat it like going to um, like a, a Broadway yeah. show, right? That's you buy awesome. a ticket, the experience is taken care of. You're not making any selections when you walk in. You just sit down and experience mm-hmm. the meal. So we thought it would be cool to do that with local restaurants. It's kind of like supper club at a restaurant, um, but they have the menu and all the drink pairings set for you. Um, so we started doing that. We actually, it, it was pretty cool. Like it worked out well. We sold out most of our events. Um, we got a lot of press. I went to a few and they were awesome. Yeah. Two or four things. And yeah, I um, big. the, the one that sound table did is oh, one table, of my yeah, favorite, yeah. like one of the best meals I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was a minor success. Um, but we realized that scaling that business model, like for a number of different reasons, just wasn't going to happen. But the cool thing that did happen, um, was, you know, we were doing these events in in prime time for restaurants. So Friday nights, Saturday nights, um, occasionally did them during the week, but in any case, like most of the time they would put us in their semi-private or private spaces because they didn't want to take those two tops or four tops off mm-hmm. their normal inventory. Yeah. Um, they wanted to be able to see like normal folks, diners that were coming in. So we at that point found out, Hey, there's actually somebody at this restaurant that manages these private and semi-private spaces, mm-hmm. which we didn't know. And, and B, we found out, um, that they were using either like a lot of them had these really thick binders, um, with like every signed contract and, um, every like credit card number they had ever collected for these events, mm-hmm. um, which is not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, or they were like the best of them were using, uh, like Google drive, Dropbox, Microsoft word, Microsoft Excel, um, to create contracts, to collect deposits, to kind of keep track of like, yeah. these are the 50 private or semi-private events I have coming into the restaurant this month. And, um, that was kind of like a light bulb moment for us. Um, typical SaaS story, right? Yeah. So we thought we could build a better solution for them. And then we also, on the flip side, we kind of, we kind of had this moment where we realized like through supper series, we're booking like parties of two or four who were buying tickets for these events. Um, but we could also help seat like larger groups at these restaurants. And in fact, they would probably enjoy that more, um, because that's the most lucrative business they bring in. Um, in addition to just having like a large party, you know, large parties also spend more on Mm -hmm. high margin items like alcohol. Um, so that's when we, we moved into, that was like early 2013. We moved into exploring gather as an option and we decided to start on the restaurant and venue side because we felt like we needed those relationships and we needed some of the data that we'd get Mm -hmm. from, um, working with, with restaurants, um, to eventually come back to like the demand side marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, it's it's really interesting to hear the story because I I I knew like half of the story from kind of probably I guess table now on, um, and so it's interesting to hear kind of the the iterations and and those other ideas probably weren't terrible ideas on paper. Frequenter might have been, but I mean I think supper series <laughs> and table now weren't terrible like assumptions. No. You don't have the data for table now, so you can't, you know, it's great that, like, the, the consumer products might have been good, but if yeah. you don't have the data, you it's can't do unrealistic. it. unrealistic. Um, and then, and then Supper Series was, like, had scaling issues, but there was, like, something interesting there, and the brand mm-hmm. was, like, solid and all that. Yeah. Um, we used to joke about this back then, that, like, there was a four-month stretch where you had, like, four names of, like, the company. Like, you had, like, four email addresses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know which email to email you at because each idea was a new domain <laughs> name. We are Google's, like, best customer. I think we still have all those email addresses. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. You're still paying for those? Uh, I think I think this is before Google, like, started oh, charging grandfather. for yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Um, and then now, like you said, you guys have a much different... Uh, you're in a much different phase, which is so. When okay, let me ask you this: When did you know that like we have something here that we haven't had before? And then it's and then you've probably been in this like phase that you're in right now of just like scaling for a while. But when did you know? What was the moment? Like what was it? Something anecdotal? Where you? I think we had an inkling because we so we got to know a lot of event coordinators through Supper Series, yeah. and so when we decided, hey, we should explore this, we went and talked to them, which again, like that was the right way to do yeah. it. So we we're finally doing things the right way. Um, and, uh, like all the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. And we actually like, what we asked them is if we build this, if we build like a really simple version of this, will you use it? And we also asked them if we build a really simple version of this, will you pay for it? And we got a lot of yeses. And so that was like the first, that was why we started building gather. Yeah. Um, it's cause we, we basically like pre signed up, um, 10 restaurants, venues or restaurant groups before mm-hmm. we started building anything. Mm-hmm. So we felt pretty good about that. And then when we actually put it together, um, usage was really high on a product that we felt like, you know, wasn't, wasn't really fleshed out. Wasn't, it was, you know, it was like a very early product. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably like that May, June, when we had really early customers start using the product, we felt pretty good about it. Yeah. And these are like, we, like, in my opinion, we had some of the best restaurants, venues, restaurant groups in Atlanta. Yeah. In that group. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, I just lost my train of thoughts. <laughs> I had an amazing question too. Um, oh, I was going to say, what, what would be your, your few, if you, if you were talking to yourself, just leaving Bain and you, you've already answered one, like, you know, you say like we did it the right way, but what would be your, your few things that you would just tell yourself leaving Bain, like starting a company? Um, I would tell my, I would definitely tell myself, don't even think about, and maybe this is like an Atlanta thing, but don't think about fundraising until you have like yeah, five I'm customers. About fundraising or your thoughts on it, but yeah, keep going. Um, so I would say that I would probably say until you have your first, what? Like five paying customers. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would probably also tell myself to stay another like three to six months <laughs> um, and just like, you know, sit on it, like work on it mm-hmm. like see if it's at, there's actually something there Yeah. or just like, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, uh, this is kind of contradictory, but I'm a big believer in like, you just have to like do it. Mm-hmm. You just gotta like go for it. 
Um, well, that was the idea of just leaving. Right, so that, right. Like, but you like we should have been a little more organized and done some more fact finding before we did that, mm-hmm. like without a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I would probably I'd probably tell myself like meet as many people who you think can be helpful mm-hmm. as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just got really lucky meeting you and Dave early on. Mm-hmm. Like those are those were obviously really helpful relationships mm-hmm. for us. Um, but that was, you know, we didn't make a huge effort to get outside our like immediate network mm-hmm. and meet folks originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask like how much, like, it seems like you had the, the early developer, you, you ended up finding Tom, like you guys were, and, and actually you've always not, you were, you were then and you're still now, like I've always thought you've been really good at, I truly believe that like startup people mostly can get in front of like anyone, like with the right messaging. A lot of times when it's like, can I buy you coffee? That's not the right messaging, but, but like, you know, like just, you know, having like a friendly connection or someone that knows them or whatever, but you've always been pretty good at that. Um, I imagine that's like served you well, right? Whether it comes to like hiring or just like, like learning about like sales, like you, you, you're pretty good at just like talking to the right people when that, when, when you're about to uh, embark on something that you don't know much about, whether it's like sales or like building a product or mm-hmm. doing like an explainer video, like you were pretty good at talking to the right person who could like save you like thousands of dollars and lots of time just to like talk to the person who's done it and knows. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've done a fairly good job of that. Um, like we're doing that right now with marketing. Like yeah. we're trying to ex- extend our funnel a little bit and um, like do some brand marketing. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how yeah. to do that. Yeah. So like I want to talk to ten people in Atlanta yeah. who are really good at that. Yeah. What's your um, What's your like financing funding? Uh, and you guys have raised what like a a few angel rounds. I mean, really, just one. Yeah. Yeah. What's just your your kind of thoughts on all that? I mean, you mentioned a little bit with like don't do anything until you get a few customers, especially out of Atlanta. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have like you know we we raised like a really small round like right around the launch of Gather and haven't really done anything since. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have friends who have raised like really big rounds before they've really done anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all out in like, California though. Um, I just like it's so situational, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of hard to yeah. to like say you should yeah. always do this or you should always do that. Has your thinking changed though? It's probably. I mean, I know it's evolved from the beginning of like the early companies, but has it evolved even with like Gather? Like as you're as you continue to have like more scale that you're building on your own, uh, so you're growing like very you know health in a healthy way now. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, do you say like this thing, like at what point will you say this thing really needs to turn it on or do you say, no, that's not the kind of business I want to run? Um, I mean, I think, I think where we are now, it's like something we're constantly evaluating. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think what it really comes down to is, um, are you going to get to the point where the amount of capital you have limits how Mm -hmm. fast you can grow? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're, that's something worth thinking Mm -hmm. about. Um, but I think it's something anybody should think about. The trick there though, is it's always, I mean, other than like, you know, Uber, like you're always limited, you know, you never have everything you need. So it's always like that balance of like, you know, but there's like, you know, um, how much white space is there on the market? How big is it? Like, what are your competitors doing? Um, 
like, are you leaving anything on the table by not like going out and, you know, tripling your sales team? Um, like, you know, we were at the, we were, we heard the story of Zenefits at the, uh, at this conference we were at in California and they hired like, you know, 200 salespeople in a year. Like, I don't think our type of business could support that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we feel like we're moving at a good pace within the constraints we have, like in terms of capital. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of like, does that become too constraining? Do we want to move faster? Do we feel like we're leaving opportunity on the table? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are, what are kind of your, um, wrapping up a little bit here. What are your, what are kind of the next 12 months? What do they look like? Um, I mean the next 12 months for us, we're really just focused on expanding our reach. So, um, getting more and more locations to start adopting our software. Um, so with that, it's like a lot of what we've, we've been focusing on and we'll continue to focus on is hiring really awesome people, um, building the sales team, building the support team, um, improving the product that we have right now. Um, and then at some point we'll turn our attention back to the demand side. Then you become the a consumer company. Yeah, that's right. Which is your dream. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, I've been, I was doing this recently, although it's been a while since I've done non-doers, but you're, you're a perfect one to do it for. So I'm going to do a, I'm going to end with a few rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, what's your favorite bar none, any type of food restaurant in Atlanta? Oh, you know, I can't do that. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Can you do any of this then? You probably can't do any restaurant stuff. Uh, I mean, I can give you like some favorites. You give me a few favorites. Okay. Well, so we're right around the corner from the optimist now. Okay. I love the optimist. Um, I really like cooks and soldiers, which is right up the street. Yep. It just opened. Um, I'm a big fan of two urban licks, like especially now that they're on the belt line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, what is the, I think it's called Yala, the place yeah, in Crock yeah, Street Market. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. been going there a lot recently. Place. I really like that. Place. How about across the country? Like, what are the what are the few places? I know you guys have some pretty insane um, restaurants on there, but what are what are a few of the best that if you're traveling, like these are places you got to go to? So I've never been there, but uh, Alex and Sarah were there earlier this year when they were in Texas. Swift's Attic in Austin. Austin. Yeah, it's supposed to be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I've heard really good things. They had a really good time there. Um, and then we just started working with um, a place in Chicago called uh, Little Goat uh, and then Girl on the Goat. So those are like sister restaurants. Um, I, th- I think like they've been, I think they've won James Beard yeah, Awards. Yeah, They're supposed yeah. to be amazing. Yeah. Um, all the places we have in Chicago yeah. are awesome. And um, oh, okay. You would like these places. It's a company called Huxley Wallace. Um, one of so one of those spots is called Quality Athletics. Um, I like it already. Yeah, the other one I'm blanking on the name, but they uh, they're like all in on design. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you so this other restaurant his name is um, I'm forgetting. If you go on their website, they've got like a promotional video. And it's just like the coolest thing yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. Quality athletics. I think they were nominated yeah. for uh, like best design yeah. by James Beard. Check it out. Uh, what about some of your favorite? Since we're playing nice here, what about some of your favorite like rooms, spaces to eat in? in a, okay, that, I mean that's that's yeah. got it. Okay, so I, I can play favorites. Um, my I think the coolest 
small private room in Atlanta is at King and Duke. It's, uh, so it's where, like, where is it? Where is it in this? Space? So when you walk in, you've got to go all the way down, take yeah. a left and like go up the stairs. Okay. And then there's the semi-private mezzanine. Yeah, yeah. And then if you walk back towards the restrooms on the right side, there's like this little room off to the side. Huh. Um, it feels like a library. And then they have like this painting that you can slide over and there's like a huge TV for meetings. Um, and then it's all glass on one side. It's just like a really well yeah, done yeah. room. Okay. Um, now honestly, like all of Ford Fry's spaces are yeah, really yeah. well done. Yeah. And then I really like the private room at one Midtown kitchen. It's, um, if you walk like through the restaurant to the back, it's all glass and it overlooks Piedmont park and it fits like, you know, I think 60 for a reception and mm. you can probably see 50. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Super cool. Um, are there any, do you have any unrelated to restaurants or spaces, um, any startups? Well, let's just go across the country. What are some of you, what are some startups, big or small, that you're just like digging on recently? Any that stand out? Um, so we just started using um, a company called Postmark for our transactional email. Okay. And they do like an amazing job. Huh. Um, their email deliverability is like second to none. Huh. So that's not like the coolest answer. Yeah, but yeah. I really like that. I haven't heard of that one. Um, and then I've been using Postmates a lot. Uh, that's who I thought you were just talking about. Yeah, when you said Postmark. Um, what are you? How are you using them? So we like yesterday we just did like a lunch order and every like ten of us got Chipotle. And yeah, they brought it and they're good. It's good. Yeah, I mean the customer service is great. Yeah. Um, they, it helps that like it was free for the first month. Yeah, like, you yeah. didn't have to pay. God, that space, I don't know. It, I don't know all the players in that space, but it seems like there's a new one launching in Atlanta all the time. There's like Caviar, aren't they doing that? Caviar, and then uh, there's another um, one. Andy, local guys, starting South Fork. Yeah, but that's like more food related, right? Does Postmates do anything? Postmates does anything, but I think like the vibe I get from the app is that they're really just like starting to focus on okay. restaurants, and then they've got like this you know, general store where you can get like anything you find at CBS. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, thanks uh, for taking some time out. Yeah. Now go steal your company. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah.